Hello everyone, I am Johnson Obamenti. And I am Faye Obamenti. And we are the host of Oasis of Hope Podcast. Wow, that is exciting. It is. Episode 38. 38. Yes. Believe that? Yes. Episode 38. We are so excited because the Bible declares that in order getting get understanding. Yes. And the book of Hosea, the prophet says that my people perish for lack of knowledge. That's so, because of that, we've been so blessed with people with knowledge and understanding and wisdom that can pour into our youth. Because this episode 38 is dedicated to focus on youth. Yes, it Part is. One. Part 1. Okay. And we have had um, so many things happening, and parents have reached out with concerns. We've seen that uh, in the last three weeks or so, uh, young people well-known um, have committed suicide, and a lot of parents are concerned, and we felt that the best people to address this are Christian counselors filled with the Holy Spirit, and like you said, God has blessed us, yes. and we have with us today on this episode 38... Um, Dr. Ruth Goodwin, which a lot of our partners and friends know from the TV program, Oasis Connection TV. So Dr. Ruth Goodwin is the founder and CEO of Safe Haven Counseling Center here in Texas. And with her is one of her um, counselors, Mr. Brian McLean. So um, we are just going to welcome them, and then we can dive into the discussion. Yes, uh, welcome, uh, Dr. Ruth and uh, Mr. McLean. Welcome, and we're so excited and honored to have both of you today, especially, you know, considering the subject matter that, uh, that we'll be talking about today, focusing on our youth, the leaders of tomorrow. It is our pleasure to join you and to uh, uh, be able to speak on that topic because we are seeing more and more youth in our center here, that Safe Harbor Counseling Center in uh, Weatherford and Azle, Texas, and uh, the needs of our youth just growing. We're seeing a lot more depression, a lot more anxiety, uh, a lot more uh, confusion among our youth about who they are. And uh, uh, Brian uh, is uh, a retired uh, uh, school principal and then uh, went into the counseling field after that. And uh, uh, he works primarily with the teenagers here at Safe Harbor. And so he has a lot of interesting things to share with us also. Yeah, so we're so blessed to have somebody with your background and with uh, Brian's background, you know, because, uh, you know, we're looking into a combination of biblical guidance and also the academic uh, portion of that, you know, how you can understand, you know, a strong uh, in a toxic culture of performance. Yes. So how our youth can stand strong in a toxic culture of performance because um, this might be 
an area that from parents, from pastors to youth leaders, um, school teachers, principals, and everyone that cares for our youth can glean from your expertise and your knowledge. So we give the floor to you to help us, biblical guidance, how our youth can stand strong in a toxic culture of performance with everything that is going on. Well, Brian just recently attended another conference on uh, uh, suicide and managing uh, all those thoughts. And one of the things that I'm going to turn it over to him and here in a little bit, but one of the things that came strong and what they kept emphasizing over and over again is that we have to instill hope within uh, in the um, uh, in the population uh, because as they are faced and uh, with all that being so self-absorbed and narcissistic tendencies and all that, then when that falls apart. Uh, they will get suicidal, and so we need to know how to instill that hope. So, uh, Brian, what do you have to say on that? Well, thank you for having us both. We're excited to be here. Um, as Dr. Ruth uh, mentioned, people are hungry for hope, and it's our job to give them hope, and people are searching for something that works, and we need to help them find hope. We need to extend community to people who struggle. Um, I'm seeing more and more clients recently who have intrusive thoughts and who suffer with anxiety and depression and you know youth often feel don't often feel like they are not listened to and so I talk with them all the time about the importance of being aware of their thoughts and metacognition so if you'd like I can tell you a few of the takeaways that I brought back from the conference there was so much but I've got a few oh, bullet yes. points I'll share. yes please um, you have the floor Thank you so much. Well, um, according to statistics, you know, as, as we know, suicide rates are increasing, and it certainly goes without saying that we have seen an increase in suicide and in the need for mental health ever since the pandemic started. People are stressed. Parents are stressed. Um, you know, kids are stressed. Teenagers are stressed. Lots of broken families. And according to statistics, 130 people die every day to suicide. It's the tenth leading cause of it's the second leading cause of death in ages ten to twenty four. You know, nothing makes you value life more than death. And one hundred and thirty people will die today from suicide. So I think that's very staggering. And I think people need to know that there's help out there, that their life can get so much better with counseling, with support, with help, with time. And I think talking to someone who will listen is a great first step. And yet it can be very, very difficult uh, for people to take that first step, especially if they feel worthless or they don't feel listened to to begin with. Uh, another takeaway from the conference that I thought was significant is that the people with the greatest intent give the fewest clues. The people with the greatest intent give the fewest clues. But normally four out of five times there will be clear warning signs. I thought that was important, and we need to take every single outcry seriously. When people talk about ending their life, they're serious about something. And, you know, the most common reason people attempt suicide are they're depressed. That is the most common reason. They have distorted thinking. They might be psychotic. They might just be impulsive. 
um, uh, they might be crying out for help and not know how to get it. Uh, they, they might have made a mistake. There's lots of different reasons. Uh, and I'll share, if it's okay, that I, not very long ago, uh, right after Christmas, experienced uh, suicide in my own family. My sister's 21-year-old son committed suicide right after Christmas, and um, his girlfriend had broken up with him, and he was depressed and just was impulsive and wasn't thinking clearly. But, you know, the effect it has on the family is devastating and shattered, and they'll never be the same. And, you know, no one is immune to suicide. It can happen to anyone. And I think I noticed every once in a while when I'll mention that, people get uncomfortable because they're not used to talking about it. And we need to make it where it's okay to talk about. Uh, you know, we need to not be afraid to talk about it because it's, it's a real thing, you know, that, that, again, 130 people a day. Um, and one of the things is that people get afraid that if they ask, if, uh, if they thought about it, that they'll be planting it in the person's uh, thought life and uh, they're more likely to do it which is just the opposite is true. If they uh, talk about it, they're less likely uh, yes. to act on it. And we, we know we won't prevent every suicide, but we can prevent a great many of them from happening if we're aware of the signs and take the appropriate action. People who are struggling need to know that there's help out there. You know, they get to such a hopeless, I'll tell clients, you know, your life may be totally different. It can be totally different you know, three weeks from now, uh, next week, a month from now, but they don't always see that. And as I said, I think we need to make it easier to talk about suicide. It is an uncomfortable subject uh, for sure, but it's a crucial one. And um, I talk a lot with my clients about their thought life. I tell them, you know, your mind believes what you tell it. It all starts with your with your thoughts. And so um, I have a few thoughts about that if you want me to share, or I don't want to hog the phone here. One well, of the things that that's really true because the scripture says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And so it's so very important uh, to teach our youth that they can control their thoughts. Yes. Our emotions are a byproduct of the way we think. And the good news about this is that we can change our thinking. And the Bible also says we are to take every thought captive to obey Christ. So they're, you know, I tell clients, there needs to be a shift in your thinking, but you don't have to stay stuck. I also mentioned to them the average person has more than 30,000 thoughts per day. And of those 30,000 thoughts, many of them are negative. That according to researchers, the vast majority of the illnesses that plague us today are a direct result of a toxic thought life. Yes. And so we really work on changing, you know, what the client is saying, because how we think directly results in how we live. And the, the, the one thought we teach them is, I have a choice. How does that resonate with you uh, as uh, Brian uh, talks about uh, that? What, what comes to your mind? Uh, There's so many things we were taking notes as both of you were talking and we wanted to get to this landing point. Um, what both of you shared is on point, um, and I think one of the things the pandemic has brought forward is the need to make some hard topics okay and not make it um, a taboo that it cannot be talked about um, no matter what. 
And uh, I love that you were basically transparent and with Brian sharing his own personal example from his sister, you know, um, family, um, very heartbroken um, for that. So sorry to hear that. But it lets people know that you know what you're talking about. It's a personal, not just um, a profession for you, but from a personal um, point of view. He said so many things, so I'm going to pick on two, and I know that my husband has his as well that he's going to pick on. Um, you began by saying we must instill hope. Our ministry, every single thing is based about hope, oasis of hope, because we believe strongly um, in the living hope, our Lord Jesus Christ. Someone is listening, um, maybe a millennial themselves, a parent or a teacher, how do we instill hope? What does that look like for our young people, for those that care about them, that want to help them? How does that look like, instilling hope? Well, I think first and foremost, we have to instill in our young people their inherent value. Their value is fixed. And so many kids come to me and say, my parents don't listen to me. I feel I'm a nobody. I'm 14 and I'm a nobody. And I say to them, you know, you matter. Your life is important. Your life counts. Your life makes a difference. And I think we have to help them internalize their 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 own self-worth. Um, yeah. Brian was even sharing with me earlier that when a, a father told his son after several weeks that he loved him, that that one statement instilled hope in that child that things could be better. That's so good that you mentioned that. So the being able to tell um, our young people and parents, teachers, anyone in their lives that cares that they are loved, I love you, um, sends a strong message of hope um, to them. So thank you. That's good. Then the second thing um, that I want to follow up from what he shared is the fact that people have distorted thinking. So many times people don't even know they have distorted thinking. And here at Oasis um, Focus Inc., we promote um, committing to a counselor to help unravel distorted thinking because many times our young people don't know they have distorted thinking. Help uh, parents out there or teachers or those that work with youth, youth pastors, how can they detect distorted thinking? Because we know what it sounds like, but shed from a professional counseling perspective, what does that look like that lets um, that caring adult know that, wow, okay, I need to help and see how we can get this young person to a counselor to address and unravel this distorted thinking. Um, well, I would say, um, as you all know, I t we tell clients, when you change your thinking, you will change the quality of your life. So that's first and foremost. I think we have to help them realize we call them cognitive distortions or distorted thinking. And I'll say to clients, I need you to replace those give up thoughts with go to thoughts. And we teach them how to reframe certain things and, and, and just really change the way they think about it. Uh, so that's one thing I think that's so important that clients realize 
they have a lot more control over it than they think they do. And, you know, Scripture tells us to think on the good things. And uh, in, uh, when I'm dealing with youth, I'll often go to what, what is good in your life. Yes. What, what is good? And uh, also to normalize that some of their struggles are normal and they're temporary mm-hmm. and that get them to focus on what is good, uh, what their uh, dreams for their future might be, and to just look for the attributes of that young pe- person that uh, uh, to, to call out the best in them. Uh, for example, often I'll uh, phrase that if it's a real rebellious child, that and the parents will say, "Well, they're strong-willed, they're rebellious," and I'll say, "You know, those are he is exhibiting good leadership qualities. Mm-hmm. How can we uh, challenge those leadership qualities so where he knows that he's a success?" Uh, so a lot has to do with. Uh, with calling out the best in the child mm-hmm. uh, or, or your friends, a person, because it's not just teenagers. It's, it's young people of all ages that can drop into that hopeless state so easy. Well, and people are hungry for connections. We all want to be appreciated for who we are and the good that we do. And teens are no different, but often we see, certainly with the, you know, with social media, we see that teens compare themselves to each other, and we need them to, you know, they don't all have an, a strong family background. They have some of them come from dysfunctional families. How teenagers, how strong teenagers are, is a result of how they were raised. And so, is one thing that um, we can do to ensure that our youth can stand strong, is to find healthy support systems. You know, help them connect. Uh, be less involved with social media. Uh, restore the family unit, uh, recognize their own self-worth. And I think another really strong point is, listen, people are hungry to be heard. And we, you know, we listen, we need to listen to hear, not just listen to respond. Because when they don't feel like they're connecting, they lose hope, which then leads to them losing their self-worth, which then can in turn lead to hopelessness and lead to, lead to feelings of, you know, wanting to hurt themselves. We're seeing a lot and a lot more Clients, even even male clients. This really surprised me, as a relatively new counselor. Uh, males who cut themselves, and you know we see that more and more frequently. So I think also another point is that, you know, when we think new thoughts, we physically alter our brains. When we think new thoughts, we have we make healthier neural connections in our neural pathways, and we blaze new trails when we think new thoughts, and everything changes for us. And so. I use the analogy with science of, you know, do you see the glass as half empty or has half full? And we talk about that. So, you know, I just think change is possible, but it all comes down to a thought and then another thought and then another thought. And we have to learn to recognize those, those thoughts. And if we want to stop, I teach clients about the word metacognition, which is thinking about our thinking. And I try really hard to raise their awareness level and help them become more cognizant of what they're thinking, first of all. And then what, you know, because we were, Dr. Ruth and I were joking earlier, um, you're not what you eat, you're not what you do, but you are what you think. <laughs> so I think that's a really good point. And, you know, kids and teenagers today 
are inundated with peer pressure and social media and school pressure and family pressure and low self-worth. And so we need to just embrace them and continue to remind them y'all matter. And it can start as simple as having a family dinner together without uh, without your iPhones there present. Uh, so that change can happen by just a, one simple thing. Yeah, um, I, I like that, uh, especially when you're talking about, you know, having the family get together all this essence of communication. So when the kids are talking to their parents, they wanted their undivided attention, and that's how they define caring, whether the parents care or not. And then I kind of take away from what you were saying about hope. Uh, I just want uh, both of you just to uh, help our listening audience, especially the parents. I know Brian started to talk about, when he started, he talked about the signs, the signals. It just didn't happen, you know, whether people with mental illness or whatever the situations. What are these signs and how, why are the parents missing these signs and how can they catch on these signs early enough? You know, for illness, people talk about early detection. Early detection makes a difference. So how can parents detect these signs earlier before it goes to a point of no return? That's a great question. Thank you for that. And I think, you know, parents need to be um, very, very involved. They need to know what their child is doing, watching, uh, they need to know about their online presence. They need to know who their friends are. They need to have conversations. So many clients of mine, my teen clients, will say, my parents don't even know me. I asked one the other day, what do you really need from your parents that you're not getting? And without hesitating, he said, I need them to listen to me. I need them to see me. I often feel invisible. Uh, some of the early signs uh, of uh, that uh that a child or teenager, young adult might be thinking about suicide, uh, they'll often give hints. Mm -hmm. uh, kids will start maybe giving away some of their valued things. Uh, they might voice that uh, uh, in uh, uh, just kind of a half-hearted way to uh, that it would be, uh, oh, it'd be better off if I was gone those type of statements are very serious statements. Uh, they will also sometimes with the depression will be acting out. Uh, this is all a cry for um, uh, uh, for uh, sometimes we'll say, oh, they're just wanting attention, but it's mm -hmm. a cry for help. Mm -hmm. And and we need to take that serious. Uh, they... Uh, uh, if they start isolating in their room too much, if they are, um, uh, if they've had a breakup with a significant friend, is a very, very crucial time in a child's life, and that's when parents or friend, other friends, should step in and kind of fill that gap. Don't leave them alone very much during that time. Also, if they have a history of uh, of cutting or threatening suicide to make sure that 
the weapons and guns and knives or whatever is cannot be within their reach. But whatever that child says, take very serious and just listen, listen, and assure them how very much that they are loved and uh, that uh, that they would be missed and that they do matter. Well, absolutely. I just think listening is. I can't. I can't emphasize the importance of listening enough and uh, reassuring them because a lot of our kids they may not let on that they have low self-esteem, but many of them exhibit it in various ways, as Dr. Ruth said, um, and they need they need just as much reassurance as a, as a younger kid does. And I just think families are so busy. Dr. Ruth and I were talking about, you know, families that are eating out and they're all on their cell phones, you know, individually having their own wrapped up in their own. We're all just too busy and we need to slow down and embrace each other. And, you know, you know, people are, I think relationships are our most valuable currency and they drive everything we do and we need to really do all we can each individual to bring, strengthen those relationships and bring back those those deeper relationships and have those hard conversations. You know, um, with a child, I think an effective question to ask with children you're concerned about might be, have you been having thoughts that worry you? <clears throat> that was one thing that they recommended in the conference I attended. Have you been having thoughts that worry you? And sometimes with clients, I've even said, you know, the things you tell me are tough, and it's not unusual for people to think about harming themselves when they're really stressed. Have you ever thought about harming yourself? And oh. oftentimes that, um, you know, invites them to open, that, that helps get a dialogue going on a conversation. Bullying is a huge thing. You know, talking about external risk factors, bullying, I see more and more kids, even, even teenagers, that bullying is very pervasive, and we need to figure out ways to prevent that and stand up to that and, and, and overcome for that because that can shatter to the core a person's, you know, identity and self-esteem. Wow. This will be telling, this will be telling my age, but going back of ways when streaking was very popular, uh, my, my pastor's son streaked across the uh, the school lunchroom and my pastor was made a requirement that he go before the church and apologize. Uh. That was too much for that child to bear and he committed suicide that night. Oh. Um, so we have to make sure that the stress we put on and the uh that when they do things not to uh not to push them in a corner where they don't see any way out yes. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wow we looked at our time and boy our time is up this has been a very rich conversation dr ruth uh, mr mclean thank you so much for lending your expertise your uh, passion, your heart guidance for our youth on this critical um, topic. Yes, uh, that's about the time we have, but we are so glad to have both of you today. So we'll go ahead and uh, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Wrap this up, and then uh, until next time, we we'll say stay connected, and we love.